This show was brought to you by Box. Not Boxed. We're Box. We're not Box. We have no affiliation with Box. When you would spread my limbs cross continents and bump our beds way over mountains and kiss this and 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 this show each other where the climax is at. You're just running across my mind. Hey, you were never good for me. And I was never good for you. I just remember what we used to do. (laughs) That was a little Jill Scott for anybody who doesn't know. And if you don't know, you should know. But we'll get into that later. Welcome to Cake and Kombucha. I'm your host, Kalechi Azier. Kombucha, if you don't know, is a probiotic fermented tea that's all the rage right now. I actually hated the first brand I tried, but I won't say their name because, you know, should they decide to become a sponsor later? Hey, somebody likes it. (laughs) Anyway, it's healthy. If you have a myriad of stomach problems that an old lady would have like I do, it helps with that. And cake is, you know, it's cake. I mean, that kind of gives you an idea of what this show is going to be every week. It's just a little mix of something fun with something healthy, a little bit of naughty and nice, slightly informative, not too informative. We're going to talk about news and politics a little bit, but please, I would suggest going and following up with some NPR afterwards. Don't come here for all of the facts. Nothing I'm giving you is fake news, but it's going to be a lot of opinion. Let's get started. Uh, So that spoken word and the dulcet tones you heard at the top, that was Jilly from Philly. So Jill Scott is trending right now in the news for giving what some people have termed ghost head, a microphone blowjob, an air blowjob to her microphone. I mean, this was like a one minute maybe a little less than a minute segment of her show where she pretty much filleted a microphone um, without actually making any contact with it. That's the ghost part. And it was informative, effective, arousing, clinical. It was a lot of things. And the range of responses has been very interesting. It was hot, though. I mean, first of all, if you don't know... Jill Scott is a legend. She's one of the, to me, one of the most amazing vocalists of our time. I love her. And her concert was honestly one of the most erotic experiences of my life. There was no clothing being removed. She was not, you know, she's not big on choreography. She stands and she commands the room. And she, just the way she interprets her music and her sensuality is incredible. So it was kind of funny to me to see the people who didn't know that. Like, um, I think there was a Root article and I believe the title was, you know, the, the Jill Scott microphone thing was shocking to those of us who have never been to a Jill Scott concert before, who have never listened to a Jill Scott album before. I mean, that album, all of her albums are like very sexual. I was listening to them before I probably even knew what she was really talking about, but She still comes from a time where people use metaphors. I mean, even if the metaphors are really, really on the nose, like my pony's waiting, jump on and ride it, you know, like 
at least they were not just like, hey, pussy, pussy, pussy in your face, you know? So I was having an interesting conversation with my producer about, and he's a guy, um, about Jill Scott and her sexiness and whatever, whatever. And it there's something about her that's just different from, I think, the different versions of sexuality you see from other pop stars. And it was interesting to me because when I hang around straight I will say, let me speak for straight black men. I think we're dealing with uh, the black community right now. I've never really heard a man say like, oh, yes, you know, she looked like Beyonce and or just talk about how sexy Beyonce is or whatever. And I think we have these icons. Uh, I'm in the beehive, so don't do not uh, use this as an excuse to try to come for her. That will never be tolerated in this sacred space. But I, there's just something about uh, these other pop stars that their brand of sexuality is kind of like more polished, performative, you know, put together, showmanship, et cetera, et cetera. And then you have like a Cardi B and a Nicki Minaj, and they just sometimes kind of seem like they lack parental supervision. And like, is anything that you're doing really because you like it or are you just trying to be extra? Whereas Jill, She's just, there's just something sexy about an empowered woman doing what she wants. Like, she's just like, this is how I get down. This is, this is what it is. And this is, and she has a whole catalog of albums behind her to back that up. Um, my producer said that Jill Scott looks like you would have some bomb sex and then she would bring you like a plate of neck bones afterwards, which we already know that she's sung in detail about the things that she will cook for you. So those are just facts. Another interesting thing about the Jill Scott conversation and people being put onto her again and being like, well, I'm, let me slide into these DMs. Let me get some Jill Scott tickets is that for most black women of a certain, I would say like medium brown complexion who have natural hair at any point in their lives. Like you've always been compared to Jill Scott. I went and told my coworker about this other recent story where I got compared to Jill Scott and she was like, oh, again, it's so annoying. Um, but yeah, like the other day I was walking down the street. Well, I guess it was like a month or two ago cause it was still shorts weather. Um, I'm walking up the hill. I live in Harlem, I'm walking up the hill and this, I hear like, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. And I'm like, okay, immediately as a woman, what do you do? You check, you look to see, did you really drop anything? Because there, there have been times where someone was yelling and I actually did drop one of my favorite gloves, but I'm so used to just like ignoring those things that I almost missed out on that good fortune. But I turn around, I'm like, okay, did I drop anything? And you know, my hesitation was enough time for this person to catch up with me. He said, excuse me. I just had to talk to you looking like Jill Scott. And I was like, uh, uh, here we go. He had fake Hazel contacts on. He told me he was an actor. Everyone says that, like everyone. So for a lark, I was like, oh, cool, cool. What kind of, yeah, what kind of acting do you do? Um, he told me that he was the most popular porn star in the world. Now, I'm not a porn expert, but I just felt that that was unlikely. I just felt like, if you are the most popular porn star in the world with kind of the way media is nowadays, like there would have been some sort of crossover into the mainstream. Maybe I would have heard of you. You're, you're at least Insta-famous. You wouldn't have Hazel Context because you would have a stylist here in 2018 and not in 1996. Like I was just like, I, something's not right. Um, but, you know, I went back on the classic, like, I have a man, I have a man. I did it. Um, but, you know, we have to say that because you can't just be like, no, I'm just really, I prefer not to. I'd prefer not to. And he said, well, I could do things that your man can't do. 
And you know what? I thought you you probably could do things my hypothetical man or or any real man I've ever had can't do. And I don't know if I want those things. But I got home, looked him up on Pornhub. He was like ranked number like 400. But he did have a video that had a million hits on it. Um, that's all the detail I want to go into in this podcast. I There's more I could say. Everything looked painful. Let's move on. I don't want to make this entire show about fellatio. That's just kind of not the way that I feel like I should start out. But it's not my fault what's going on in the news right now. So the next story that I wanted to talk about is that Monica Lewinsky is back in the news. Um, She has a Vanity Fair article that she did that was just also promotion for an A&E docuseries coming out called The Clinton Affair. She had some really interesting things to say about who gets to be a victim, victimhood. She said she's leaving the house of gaslight. Here's a quote from this article. Um, Actually, she's quoting herself in the article from a former article like three years ago, but it's about her being basically an adult and having adult understanding of it now. Now at 44, I'm beginning, just beginning, to consider the implications of the power differentials that were so vast between a president and a White House intern. I'm beginning to entertain the notion that in such a circumstance, the idea of consent might well be rendered moot. Although power imbalances and the ability to abuse them do exist, even when the sex has been consensual. Boom. Okay, I think this is a pretty smart, concise take. And honestly, after what I've read, and just me like coming to be a little older than the age that she was when she was going through this now, I feel like... It's she I mean, not that she deserves a redo, but like I do think we should be looking at this from the lens of 2018 and not from the lens of 1995. Similarly to the way that, you know, with the Brett Kavanaugh hearings, we're now looking at them with what we understand more now and what some women have always maybe understood inside versus the shambolic Anita Hill lens that we were looking at it with. So I kind of don't think it's fair that Monica Lewinsky just gets to stay like a 22-year-old intern harlot forever in our memory. And like it is interesting to me that this story is now going to be brought to a younger audience of people who, unlike me, did not learn what oral sex was from that incident. I, To my knowledge, people weren't doing it before that. I, I don't know. So yeah, I mean, if you have a 22-year-old daughter and she tells you that her 49-year-old boss, who's the most powerful man in the world, she's having an affair with him, like My point is just that things can be more than one thing at a time. And I think that we are very uncomfortable with sussing out like nuance and we want things to be black and white. Well, it's legal. She's an adult or he can't go to jail because this and da, 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 da. And like, and similarly, when the Aziz Ansari incident came up, it's like, no one is talking about jail. We're just saying like, let's look at these interactions. Let's look at the dynamics of how this happens. And I think now common advice is like, don't have uh, you know affairs in the workplace. It's looked down upon some in some areas for like you know for a fifty year old professor to start dating a student that might be looked down upon. I mean she was kind of the same age when this started as like a senior in college, and I think just you know you leave the house you have more responsibilities but your maturity level is not that high. So it's just kind of hard for me to now look back like yep that bitch she started it all. I mean anyway. To really tie into the next thing that happened was that Hillary Clinton was asked about this and said no. She was asked um, whether Bill Clinton should apologize, and she was like, no, she was an adult. 
No. And I get it. I get it. Like, that was your husband. It was humiliating. And you also chose to stand by him. So you really can't now say, yes, he should have apologized. I mean, I think we know he owed probably everybody an apology. You, Monica, everyone. But it just, the fact that you're still being asked these questions all these years later is, is it's not great for you. Like, I'm sure it's irritating, but it, it kind of leads into what I'm getting to now, which is that apparently Hillary Clinton is going to run again in 2020. Uh, the longtime Clinton advisor, Mark Penn, says she's prepping for a new presidential run. Um, the general consensus, I mean, if anyone were to ask me or my social media network, it would be go sit your ass down somewhere. That's the think tank perspective on that. Stop it. Hillary, 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 stop it. Are you listening? Stop this. I mean, the the Monica Lewinsky thing when she said that, no, she's an adult just so dismissively, it's just, it's just made me think of like, this is just so distasteful and passe and it's just not keeping up with the times. Like the Me Too movement has happened, times have changed, and the fact that you are still mired in this mess from 1995 to like not necessarily your fault of not necessarily a fault of your own it just means that you might not be the right person for this job anymore like there might be too much baggage when do we just say there's too much baggage i'm not saying that if you do something two times and fail don't try again i'm just saying go sit down somewhere like this is not about skills if it was about skills and who was most fit for the job then trump obviously wouldn't have won so by that same metric, why do you think that you should keep doing this because of your, you know, your political pedigree, your experience? It obviously doesn't matter. And I just wish for the good of the country, she could make a selfless decision on this point and go run some sort of charitable trust somewhere because this is going to be such a distraction. Like you already came, became some sort of creepy straw doll that, you know, the Republicans like to burn an effigy in 2016. Like you... You now represent something more than just you. And I think it's kind of delusional, maybe, to not really recognize that. Accepting, like, you don't have to like it. You could go to a therapist for the liking it part. But to not recognize that is is annoying, and it's going to hurt the rest of us. Like, resources and attention are going to be diverted to her that could be going to somebody else, like Andrew Yang, for 2020, universal income law. We will talk about that later. So yeah, I just I just wish that she could kind of make a selfless decision in that vein. And then, you know, I have had time to actually think about it more. And I voted for Hillary. It was the only good option presented to me. But in the time that I've had to think about it, and I almost think all of the corrupt, wild uh, conflicts of interest going on with Trump have kind of made me just think about this from with a little distance and think, Maybe I don't want a president um, who is married to one of our old presidents. Like, I maybe I don't. I mean, you wouldn't, you couldn't testify against them, your spouse in court. I mean, there's just, you you share the same bed with someone every night. I mean, how is that kind of like, I don't know. I just feel like I was pretending that those two things were more separate than they were. And I don't know if it's just me wanting a fresh start or me just really thinking about it it is kind of like having the same person over again. And that's not in a you are your husband way. It's just a you guys are a team and anyone who's been married for 900 years is a team. And now a quick word from our sponsor and we'll be right back. Do you want to receive things in the mail? 
Do you pretty much have everything you need already and live a life rich in material goods? Do you have no real need for a stranger who doesn't know you to curate a box of miniature versions of things you'd most likely use the full-size version of anyway? Do you just want to feel relevant? You need a monthly subscription to Box. This highly nonspecific, random box will come to your home or office once a month. It's of the highest quality cardboard craftsmanship and has a punchy label. Everyone will be jealous you have the disposable income and common sense to subscribe to a heavy box. What's inside? Meh, doesn't matter. Maybe nothing. But now, you have a box. Isn't life better when you have a box to look forward to? Sorry, excuse me. I think my box is here. Welcome back to Cake and Kombucha with your host, Kelechi Azier. We are now going to pull apart a dumb internet meme going around. We're going to just get very like, we're just going to get deep in it. Um, so I am a little bit of a Facebook auntie. You are on Facebook or Instagram rather. Please follow me because I need help in that arena. But Facebook, I'm in the deep cuts in there. So this there's this meme going around. Let me just read it to you and let's dive in. Scenario. You're chatting with a man for a few weeks. You're pretty interested and the feeling is mutual. He plans the first date. You're super excited. He has one request for you to not wear any weave or makeup on your first date. Are you offended? Do you still go? Are you still interested? How do you respond? I don't. I reject this. I don't receive it. This is stupid. Let me explain why. I see this a lot online and I feel like it speaks to something in our culture right now with kind of news literacy, information literacy, being able to pick things apart. The real question here is not necessarily the hair and makeup thing, but we'll get into that. The real question is why the fuck is someone you don't know making demands of your appearance? So the next thing is he tells you you can't wear tight clothes. The next thing is he tells you you can't leave the house without him. And then you're in like room or you're Sally Fields and not without my daughter. Like, the, I don't get why you would feel comfortable with that. What kind of thirst buckety person would ever entertain something like that? Also, why have you been talking to this guy for a few weeks and you haven't met yet? Where did you meet? On AOL chat rooms? Like, it's 2018. Shit is stupid. Swipe left. Okay. That's the quick take. Let's let's dive in more. This kind of thing is dumb. It's stupid hotep fake virtue signaling. So I'm supposed to think that you're some sort of deep, profound man because you don't like women with weave and makeup, right? I don't think that. I think that you're an idiot. But like I said, like the point is your preference, if you don't like that, just date someone who who doesn't wear that. But instead, you guys want to follow all the big bootiest people on Instagram and be attracted to these like thoughts and IG models and whatever. And I don't say thoughts derisively at all. Like I love to get my thought on as well, but just, I don't really post it online. And then you're going to complain about what she looks like, but that's who you are attracted to. So that doesn't make any sense. Secondly, what, like, I don't believe that men really understand what hair and makeup, you know, weave and makeup looks like. I think I know what you're trying to say, but you don't really have the tools to say what you're trying to say. So I'll take myself for an example. I have lots of vices, lots of things wrong with me, hence the cake and kombucha title. I'm not 
I'm not bragging on myself, but I have clear skin. It's just one of the things. I can't share clothes with my tiniest little sisters, but I, I have had clear skin. I'm the one with clear skin. So when I go into set for things, a lot of times people are like, Take your here's some here's a cloth, like take all your makeup off before we get started. And I'm like, Oh, I don't have anything on. Oh, you don't? Oh my gosh, your skin is so clear. Da, 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 da. It, like I those are professional makeup artists and they can't tell if I have something on my face. So you're not gonna tell me that Joe from around the block knows whether I have a tinted moisturizer on. You're not gonna do it. And if you can't say that, or if I wear like I have a lot of like curly half wigs and stuff that I put on that blends with my real hair, or crochet hair that looks like my real hair, because I don't want to put my real hair out every day, have, you know, put all my curl products in, blow dry so it's big and fluffy. I, ain't nobody got time for that. I want continuity between shots. You're going to get this wig. I can make the wig look the same tomorrow and the next day. So you you know, I look natural, right? Like that's kind of the aesthetic that's going on right now in the industry anyway. Like my headshots look natural, but of course I have some makeup on and I have a curly hairpiece on. I don't believe you. I don't believe you. You don't mean that you don't want a woman with hair and makeup on. What you mean is you probably mean is you don't want a lot, a lot, a lot of it. But let's be honest, you'll take that too. You don't really, just shut up. I, I just don't believe that they really know what they're saying. What, what you're actually saying is you want a woman that fits society's image of what attractiveness is, who looks like she didn't have to put a lot of effort into it. So you're ruling out like a lot of different kinds of people. Like you still have a very specific preference, but you just want a woman who, you basically just want the, like, the most beautiful woman in the world by whatever standards without trying, which is great. But you, we don't all get to have what we want. And then, like, to the people that really don't understand, because there was a lot of, like, this is just a very hotep, respectability politics type meme. So I saw a lot of women popping up and be like, I don't wear what makeup most days anyway. No one cares. Like, no one cares. I, I don't need, I love makeup. And then I also love to go without makeup. And I have an eyebrow gel for my grocery store look that's like my naked face look. And I have, like you're not a better person than anyone else because you're not wearing makeup. So let's lose that. Also, for the real, the people that were really having a hard time understanding this, if the meme said, if someone asked you to show up with straight hair, or if someone asked you to show up wearing a trench coat with nothing underneath it, or if someone asked you to show up wearing four-day-old panties because he just really likes the smell, that you would think that was weird. So let's stop asking like, Anything that someone asks you, it's, it's just a request. That doesn't mean it's appropriate. Like the things that you ask can show that you're a weirdo. So that's it from Hotep Land today. If you really don't understand the things that I try to lay out, tap on or come back next week and we'll, we'll keep trying. I said a box, 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 get you a box. This story is weird. Okay, so this is taken from a bunch of different news sources, including Metro News, I believe. The Daily Mail also probably. I mean, it's messy, so let's just say the Daily Mail probably wrote about it. Among the latest trends on Instagram is this. White women deliberately wearing darker makeup and retouching and filtering their pictures in an attempt to look Asian or Black. Some have coined this the Kim K effect. So this is really viral People are really mad, and a couple of Instagram people, what are they, what should I call them, thoughts, bloggers, I don't know, are being exposed for, like, being white when they have clearly darkened their skin in their photos, like, 
draw lip liner outside of their lip line, put on curly lace front wigs. And some of them just like have got butt surgery also. It's they put a lot of effort into this, but the one of the girls is like, I just dark really I just tan really dark in the summer. Everyone leave me alone. Blah blah blah. I mean, it's it's really dumb. And one of the best parts to come of this, one of the best things to come out of this is the term black fishing. <laughs> Which, I mean, obviously, it's a plain word from catfishing, but as someone who whose favorite animal is an orca whale, like, I can't just get over the fact that it's called blackfishing. I want to be like, don't, don't do that documentary like that. But anyway, so this phenomenon, it really rubs women of color the wrong way. And the reasons why are obvious and numerous. Um, the same features that are making these women famous are features that we have been ridiculed for historically for years. And that is the most annoying thing to me to come out of, you know, every few years when a beauty magazine trolls us, like when they call cornrows boxer braids, or I read, I don't remember which magazine it was, but they recently discovered the flat iron, y'all. And they said it was made, no, the hot comb. And they said it was made popular by African-Americans. I, what? It was invented. Like, what are you talking about? So, I mean, things like that, you just feel like you're being trolled continuously, continuously, or every year Vogue Italia does blackface. Like, every year. It's like they get off on having to apologize afterwards. Uh, painting a model black and putting, like, Mama Africa on the cover, shit like that. It's it's ridiculous. It's offensive. But with this, I kind of have a weird hot take, which is that I don't really blame these, like, Swedish whatever girls in fact, I have known people from Scandinavia and the deep cuts of you know Europe where everyone is very, very pale and blonde and looks very similar. And some of them have this outsized and not based in like historicity of any kind. They don't know the background of why what they're doing is fucked up or whatever. But some of them do have this thing where they want to look different. Like they want to look different than the people around them and they start fetishizing black people women and blackness and dye their hair black and all, a lot of other problematic shit. But my hot take is that I'm actually more upset that this made these women famous than the fact that they're doing it. If they, you know, if it wasn't getting them a lot of likes, then they wouldn't do it. So what we have to ask ourselves as a society is why are we more attracted to these white women dipped in light brown paint than we are to actual black women? If people are not gassing them up and in their mentions and in their DMs, I feel like they wouldn't have that many followers. So I kind of resent the idea that this is, you know, society, our society is set up in such a way where they can get famous from this more than them actually doing it. And so that's that's the, the other next thing I have to say that might make, make you never listen to this podcast again is that I don't hate Kim Kardashian as much as I'm supposed to. I don't think she is a murderer. Some sometimes I feel like people, the vitriol and hatred they feel is like the way one would talk about like Stalin or Mussolini, and I just don't really get it. Like she's problematic as fuck, but the reason that she is able to be successful is because we obviously support this kind of stuff. We support it to the degree that last night I saw an article or video about this woman in the Ivory Coast who has a 60-inch butt, naturally. And they were calling her the African Kim Kardashian. 
let's just review a black woman whose butt was naturally really big and had as a small waist, who's never had any surgery and is from Africa, where these features are more common, is called the African Kim Kardashian. I don't want to get in a fight over who should be famous for booties. Like, I'm not saying that booties is like the biggest contribution that my people have made to the world or anything like that. I'm just saying, if we're going to get famous off of stuff, don't discredit it. This just becomes so convoluted and confusing. So for this woman in the Ivory Coast to be, you know, considered beautiful, she now she has blonde hair and blue eyes. And she's like, I love Kim Kardashian. She everything the way she wears her fashion is what it is what I I like to wear. She wears it the clothes very close, very tight. And I'm just like, girl, first of all, Kim doesn't have blonde hair and blue eyes. So you didn't have to do all that if you want to look like her. You could have kept the hair you have. But secondly, it's just weird that she has to get validation from this social media figure. It's a clusterfuck. So just to wrap this segment up, but also to give you two things to think about that are a little bit conflicting, because as you'll find out, and you probably already sense, I don't think anything is just one thing. I like to think about the different angles of it. And I'm okay like sitting in the, you know, the not knowing or the in-between. Like, I love the in-between. I kind of don't hate Kim Kardashian as much as I feel like I'm supposed to. And the reason that I'm inclined to be more contrarian about this is because I kind of feel like everyone hates her for her sex tape and I'm not cool with the slut shaming of it. And Ray J was on the tape too and he's a dude and no one is really writing things about him even though he's like an extremely ratchet person that puts his wife through all kinds of sleepless nights and nonsense like disappearing for three days while she's pregnant. It's just, it's just a mess. I I just think that's why people hate her. And if you could get famous from your jerk of an ex-boyfriend accidentally, I mean, not accidentally, like leaking a sex tape on you, you would do it too. I mean, what in fact could you actually do about it afterwards? Join a nunnery to repent? Nah, you would toot that thing up, baby, make it work. I'm just kidding. Uh, she's rich anyway, but you get my point. Revenge porn is against the law. I mean, what happened was a violation. Obviously, there's more to the persona that she's cultivated than that at this point, and there is a very problematic exchange with Black culture that you see back and forth with her sisters stealing from Black artists and the dumb things that she said about being colorblind, which is just setting up your biracial child for a whole lot of mess. However, I am not blind, and I can still see that the main thing that people hate her for is because we just don't like to see women having sex and enjoying it even if they were not moving around that much in the tape. And that's why a lot of people's knickers were all in a bunch about Jill Scott. You see what I did there? It's called a full circle. What I did was I made a circle and then I walked around it. That's what happened. But I said I would give you two things, and I will. The second one to complicate things is a perfect example of how to completely destroy all of the goodwill and understanding I might try to have for you if you live someplace where the sun doesn't shine for six months of the year and you are playing around with self-tanner. There was a, a two, there, two years ago, there was a scandal with one self-tanning company in Europe, also from Sweden. I think it was called Emmatan or something. And they had these colors that were so outrageously dark. It essentially just looked like you painted yourself to look like another human being, like you were painting yourself black. And with this whole black fishing controversy, these kind of dark faux tan things have been 
uh, circling the internet again, and someone posted the back of a bottle that it was some shade. I don't know if you call it a flavor. I don't know. But the flavor was Africa. And it said, you know, for a light brown color, leave on for such and such amount of time. But if you want to go all the way chocolate, turn on the oven, bake some chocolate chip cookies, and then listen to rap music for three hours. So there you have it, folks. Africa, the birthplace of rap music and chocolate chip cookies. Don't do this. Don't do this. All right, so now I want to talk about thirst trapping with Amazon, Amazon Armageddon. Let's get into it. Let's get in. Okay, so just a tangent. I really wanted to have a YouTube channel just so I could say, like do wig reviews and say, let's get into this unit. I just like saying, let's get into this. Let's get into this. Anyway, so Amazon is coming to New York, you guys. Yep, and I'm not excited about it. To go over how this process happened, Amazon announced a sort of like bachelor competition, you know, hey, who wants to get this rose to all these cities in America? And they kind of just bent over and, I mean, let me not say that. They they showed what was great about their city uh, people are calling Amazon Scamazon for kind of doing this like free crowdsourcing like research basically in that way. And uh, for example, Dallas offered $1.5 million in free rides and shuttles, pedicabs, courtesy cars, or other quick transit solutions to help Headquarter 2 employees get around while the city improves its transit system. Yeah, while the city improves its transit system, which, you know, theoretically one would think it would need to be improved for the people that already live there. But we'll get into that with New York. Um, So the final decision was made. Um, It's going to be here and in D.C., I think outside of D.C., in Virginia. And it's going to be in Long Island City. There's going to be 50,000 tech bros descending upon Queens and their entire families and whatever kinds of things tech bros bring with them, like craft breweries, I guess, lots of CrossFit. I'm not, I mean, obviously I also like CrossFit, but that's not the point. I want it the way I want it, okay? So anyway, Bill de Blasio, in just like a really, really thirsty move that I still don't understand, On it was this was October 18th, he lit up New York in the wonderful hue of Amazon Orange, to show our virginity pledge to Jeff Bezos. Like what? First of all, raise your hand if you knew Amazon had like a signature color and that color was orange. I know I can't see you, but I don't think any of your hands are raised. Like, yeah, the arrow underneath the logo, on my computer screen, it looks yellow. I guess it kind of looks like a yellow orangey color, perhaps. I feel like maybe a marigold, but I don't, that's not what they're known for. They're known for like the word Amazon logo wise. They're not known for the arrow underneath them. Why would you do this? It was a World Trade Center and the Empire State Building. And it was embarrassing. I, I generally think that most people have heard of New York and know where it is. It's kind of a well-known city. We didn't need to do this. The, the congestion that is, this is going to bring is unimaginable. Like I was actually toying with Queens with LIC as like, a place to possibly move to a little further out to get like reason, more reasonable rent. And, and trust me, when I say reasonable, I mean completely unreasonable. We're talking about New York City. For those listeners that don't live here, we'll, I will go into more of what that means and what it is to live here later. But 
it's just it's just a mess and it's unnecessary. And so in total, let me find this statistic. How much did we offer them? I think it was between Virginia and New York, I think it came to like $3 billion they'll get in incentives. And that number goes up over the, over the next 10 years. And it's, it's just kind of absurd to many people because why are we tithing to this giant corporation when the, the cost of living here and our transportation is completely screwed up? And the MTA now gives you notes that you can print out online that are official to, to give to your employer to say what was wrong with the train today and why you're late to work. So that's where we are now. We're, having, we're getting excuse notes from our public transit system because they know it's fucked. They don't even try to make excuses anymore. Like you'll be sitting on the train for 30 minutes and it's not moving. One day, I was, one day that happened to me, they were like, there's a sick passenger. There's a fire on the train tracks due to trash. There's a delay. They were just making things up. And now it's the point where you have to be sitting for like 20 minutes before someone will say anything. Because they know, what, what can you say? They're not going to be like, ladies and gentlemen, the shit is fucked. Like, there's nothing else to say. It's just, it is what it is. So this is just kind of so strange and genuinely probably unhelpful to the people that actually live here. And it reminds me of what we saw happen with Detroit. Detroit has had a giant revitalization of its downtown um, with a lot of tech companies that have moved there, but the companies do not employ uh, people that actually live in the area. Um, the vast majority of the people that work downtown are commuting from outside of Detroit. So you can say the downtown is revitalized, but it hasn't helped the rest of the community because there's just some part of the city that's cute that people move in to live that other people can't really afford to go use and enjoy and be employed and, and spend their money there, money that they don't have. So I kind of see it as analogous to that, and I'm not excited about it. Um, my last question is just, will my packages come faster? That's it's right here. That's what I want to know. Okay, you guys, that's all the kombucha that you have to drink today. Although kombucha does come in an assortment of delicious flavors. That's fine. I'm, I'm not interested. If, if you're not converting today, that's okay. But we're on to the cake section now that you've been waiting for. The reality TV will wrap up from this week. So we're just going to get into Real Housewives at Atlanta and then a little bit of 90 Day Fiance. Um, just a, just a little bit of 90 day fiance for your for that ass. So this new season of Real Housewives of Atlanta looks really promising. I was nervous because Kenya is gone and I thought we definitely need some sort of super villain to move things along to start fights. Marlo is, she's in and out. She's inconsistent. She doesn't have a peach. I don't, she, so you can't really rely on her to stir up the mess. But so far I've been highly entertained um, Portia is kind of moving to the front as a front runner with a messy, messy relationship that is sure to implode. And I can't wait to see what happens. Um, she has a new, she has a new man. He's older. He's tatted. He's, he owns some bars in the area, some kind of businesses, something about hot dogs, selling hot dogs. Allegedly, they were going to go look at this like $300,000 engagement ring. Um, and he's like, I sold a lot of hot dogs. So, you know, go pick out whatever you want. And I was like, cool. But here's the tea. They've only been dating for three months at this point. And in 
I mean, Portia just keeps talking about how she doesn't ask. She was like, yo, Nene asked me, what do he go to school? What do he, what do he, what's he do? And I didn't ask none of those questions because there's probably some girl by herself that asked all those questions. What? You, you didn't, you don't know things about the person you're going to marry because you didn't want to ask him because you didn't, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. But Portia also thought that the Underground Railroad really had trains. So what do we want from her? She's beautiful. Like, she's really, really pretty. I like to look at her. Her butt has become a character on the show of its own. It keeps getting bigger and bigger, and her waist stays the same size. I am no scientist, but I don't know if that's a naturally occurring phenomenon. But anyway, it's fun to look at. It's fun to watch. This is going to be messy. Uh, Let's see what else. Cynthia has a new man. I already feel awkward about it. It's just always a lot of FaceTime with Cynthia. Like, do these men, can they come over ever? It's just a lot of FaceTiming. Maybe when you become a successful, sexy-ass divorcee, you only date people that live across the country and the world. You just have to FaceTime with them a lot. I don't know. But sometimes I just wish she wasn't always just drinking wine in her kitchen on FaceTime, asking awkward questions. But we'll see how that plays out. Um, Candy is living life, being a, a family woman and a businesswoman. I don't see much changing there. I still see I see potential friction between her and Portia again. Well, the, first of all, the friction is still there. Like Candy does not see it for her. But also she knows the tea on uh, Portia's new man. And she hasn't said anything yet. So she knows this guy. He's kind of pretending he does. He said, uh, yeah, I know Candy. For I don't know where. You know, I go to Old Lady Gang a lot. It's across the street from my house. Old Lady Gang opened up like six months ago. Like, shut it down. That's not where you know Candy from. Besides, why would you even say that in a city like Atlanta? Like, I practically know Candy by degree of separation. Everybody knows. Black people know each other in Atlanta. Just stop it. So he's a liar. This is going to be fun. Um, that's pretty much all for right now. Greg is sick. It's really, really sad to watch. So... I hope that everything gets better with that. It's it's just sad because he's been a staple for like 10 years and he's struggling with cancer. So um, yeah, Nini is dealing with that right now. And um, Eva just had a baby, a super cute baby. I'm interested to see if we're going to see some more of that. Uh, top, what was the show? Top model, sass. Like she has been coming for uh, Cynthia a little bit and what I've seen she called she said oh yeah that's the old veteran runway walk and so she said oh the difference between me and Cynthia's poses 20 years I mean this is a necessary shade like Cynthia's older than you that's factual I don't really I want to know where it comes from and if she's just being messy just if because she's smart because she knows that's what you got to do to stay there that's real housewives so we'll we'll get into it more Episode three, you know, we're kind of setting things up right now, setting the stage, doing, you know, seeing where people are in their lives after we haven't been with them, you know, since the last season. So the real mess, I, I, for my estimation, should probably start next week. So next, I just wanted to let you know that 90 Day Fiance is life. I was put onto it by my mother. She put me onto it. I put other people onto it. I want you to know that it is, this is a safe space to discuss 90 Day Fiance, you can come to me. We will get into it. I'm half immigrant, so I really have so many thoughts about just this, the wild immigration processes we see, the culture clashes, La Family de Chantal, for those of you who are watching before. I mean, 
the moments, right? The moments. There's so many. So I'm not fully cut up, caught up on this week, but I will get there. Bear with me. I'm sorry. Just been a lot going into getting this first podcast out to you. And you know, those episodes are three hours long, which is like delightful and intimidating at the same time. Really, one of the people that's sticking out to me right now is Queen Kailani. What's her name? Kailani? Her dad is like the most self-hating person that I've ever seen. I mean, first of all, if you live in like mainland East Coast United States, you probably don't even get to meet a lot of Polynesian people anyway. So this is like a six eight, like like caramely burnt sienna brown man. Like you don't really know is he black? Like what is his ethnicity? And then he has this weird southern accent. So he's a Samoan, I like to say it. Um my producer is really uncomfortable when I drop into the correct pronunciation of a language I don't speak. But that's what they say. They say Samoa, and I like it. So I'm just going to keep saying Samoa. But he's a Samoan, and he's married to this woman from Utah who is Mormon. And they have these beautiful daughters who look like a... They just are big, giant, voluptuous. They look like a like Gauguin eating a mango painting. And their hair just looks like bundles. Like bundles. I don't even really wear weave, but... I know that they can make a lot of money, and it's just something that's popped into my head when I look at their hair. But anyway, moving on. So the one girl goes to Samoa. She's a virgin at 29 because she's Mormon, and then she meets the tour guide and is like, nope, I need to do this right now. I didn't learn how to do it right because of abstinence training, so I'm having sex, and now I'm pregnant. So she has a baby there engaged, and she just talks so freely about how her dad, he didn't really want me to marry someone Samoan because he doesn't trust their motivations for coming to the United States. He wanted me to be with someone white. Okay, first of all, let's unpack that because the only two options for races in America are not Samoan or white. There's just not a, in the news, you don't hear a lot about just like Samoan and white race relations. Like that's not, those are not the only two choices. So your dad is racist against his own people. Like, let's just put that out there. I listened to him so many times that he didn't trust anyone's intention for coming here. And I literally shouted my TV screen. I was just like, excuse me, are you the only good one? Like, are you, what made you qualified to come here? Sir, I was just like, I don't know what the Samoan word for an Uncle Tom is, like an Uncle Pineapple or something. Like, I was just like, dude, you sound crazy right now. How can every single other immigrant that wants to leave be bad except for you? What did you do to deserve to come here? Secondly, I'm so interested in this whole idea and I want to hear from you guys about that too, especially those of you who are like first generation or like my dad was from Nigeria, but my mom is American. So I'm half first generation, I guess. Like the idea that everyone, no matter where they're from, is willing to live, leave paradise to come here is one that I'm not really on board with. And I'm sure I'm speaking from a place of privilege where I can say that. But when I see him coming from like living on the beach every day to come here and he was like, the beach is very very dirty and the water is cold. Like this is California. I was just like, are we sure everyone's breaking their neck to come here? That's not that's not something that I'm really so familiar with. I, I thought he just knocked the girl up and needed to come here, but I don't know that he wants to come, you know, work in some sort of like call center versus fish with a spear on the beach or something. Or actually, no, what he really did was raise pigs. Lest you think I'm racist, I put in another agricultural job, but he raised pigs. I don't, I'm, I'm, that's not intuitive to me that that's a, that's a big trade off. But uh, yeah, her dad wants to build a wall 
between Samoa and the United States. So I just, I, I just, I can't wait till we get to like the, the, uh, the all like the tell all where we get to talk to him and be like, dude, who hurt you? And why do you hate yourself? So that's it for pretty much the whole show, guys. That's it. So thank you for listening. Thank you for staying on this journey as we figure out what it's going to be. And I can't wait to talk to you more. I'm going to leave my email address in the link. So you can tell me what you think. You can tell me what topics you want to hear about more. If it's politics, please tell me what reality TV that you think that I should get in on so I can start binging that. I'm kind of a Bravo girl And I'm probably going to start watching that Becoming Amish show because I just saw this girl be like, I don't know what it is to be a black woman. And I was like, I have to watch these black Amish kids go on their Ruben Springer, whatever it's called. So I don't know. TLC is doing is they're doing a lot. Like, I honestly hadn't watched that since I was little. I used to watch like wedding story and baby story when I was like seven, because why? Why do we raise women this way? But They're doing a lot right now, and I'm into it. Anyway, thank you. I'll talk to you next week. Uh, Leave comments, email me, and we'll leave all the social media links in there for you. All right, have a delicious Jill Scott, yummy Jilly from Philly grits week, and I'll see you next time.